Good morning. Thank you. I feel privileged to see you and to share a few moments with you this morning. And I hope that you, when you, when you leave here today, or when you sign off, oh, we're there now, that you feel like it was your time was well spent in a close, according worship to God. You may have noticed if you came in and you looked that way, there are no ladders and big chairs sitting back there, no awkward-looking tripods and so forth. We're moving forward in at least our technology a little bit, and so we're very glad. I appreciate the work that Josh puts in to put it together and others that help him. He even had a, an old man helping him yesterday up here trying to get things in accord. We won't name him because, you know, he, yeah, that's right. No, no, it was, yeah, okay. But uh, again, you, I noticed you're sitting with all your friends over there, Dwayne. It's good. It's good. I'm glad. But uh, very glad that you're here. Glad that we ha- are making progress in that regard. There are other things that are, that are coming in the days ahead. I'm thrilled to see you here today. And I know sometimes it's not always convenient. I appreciated what Kevin had to say in regard to, you know, the, the things about mask wearing, distancing, and so forth. And these have become just a, a part of our order of the day. I know most of us, most of us are looking forward to a day that maybe that is not so much a part of our lives that we can get to a little more relaxed routine in our lives and and maybe we're kind of sitting on high center I know Dwayne and I were talking about that we seem like we're just kind of sitting on a balance waiting and hoping and thinking and you never know what's coming down the road and of course we want to be busy and about our business in a good way but I appreciate what Kevin had to say and it really ties in a little bit to what I've got to say this morning I call the lesson by all means you know somebody will say I'll do that by all means I'll do that by all means by all means be there by all means get that done whatever we understand the phrase by all means do whatever you can to accomplish this end But I want to call your attention this morning in that regard because there is so much controversy, I think. I want to say a few words, and this is about as close to political, and I don't really think it's political at all. I think it's spiritual. Uh, As close to political as as I hope you ever perceive that I'm going to be. So if you're, you know, you can grab hold of your seat, you know, get out your, your political signs and get ready to to shine, uh, show them around and so forth. You can put on your buttons later. But anyway, seriously, uh, this is about as close to political because I think it, the two things might, might interject in a way, or I mean intersect, not interject, intersect in a way. But 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, a passage that may be familiar to many of you. As Paul writing to the church in Corinth and talking about himself quite a bit, he says, though, for though... I am free from all men. I have made myself a servant to all that I might, buy, I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law. Not being without the law toward God but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law to the weak. I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things. This is it. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. I believe that is as 
pertinent a statement of our times as you're going to find in the Bible in regard to how we regard one another. And that is important. Let me tell you about Carl. Carl was well into his 20s, married, and I was 14, 15 years old at the time. And he was, and maybe still is, I don't know whether he's alive or not at this point, I'm really not certain whether he's alive or dead at this point, but he was my oldest cousin on my mother's side of the family, got that? My oldest cousin on my mother's side of the family, not on my dad's side, they were all old over there, but on my mother's side, he was my oldest cousin. And there were there were ways in which I was envious of him. As a young teenager, I was envious of him. In some ways, I despised him because, he, <laughs> because of who he was. But there were some ways I envied him because he was wild. He liked to run against the conventions. He liked to speak out. He, he didn't listen. He didn't pay attention. He wasn't going to obey. He was going to do what he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it, however he wanted to do it, no matter what. And as a I envied that. I envied that. I wanted to be like that. One summer we spent some time together when I don't know where the other adults that occasion that occasion and he brought a bunch of leftover fireworks and we played war with fireworks, you know, and I think one of my cousins still has a burn on the back of his shoulder where we played war with fireworks. That was his idea, having fun. And here he is in his mid-twenties and we're a bunch of guys, uh, every, guys uh, everybody was about 14 or younger and we're out there and he's in charge and we're shooting fireworks at one another. That's the kind of cousin he was. Now you understand why I was envious of him. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I still remember at that time, his favorite line, I think, his favorite line to share was this one. I'm over 21. I'm white. And by the way, that's not his. I'm over, 20, I'm over 21. I'm white. I'm free. And no one tells me what to do. Boy, you talk about a politically incorrect statement. Whew. But that's what he would say. I want to tell you something that you may have already concluded by my descriptions and even by Carl was and maybe is pardon the expression an idiot he was I think you probably already concluded he exhibited all the qualities that I do not want to have in my adult life I haven't wanted to have in my adult life for a long, long time. Those kind, of, those kind of qualities. He was a drunk, probably an alcoholic, who lost everything and everyone who really cared about him and had been good to him in life. I tell you this because he simply wanted to, he claimed he wanted to be free of the conventions of life. And if ha what he had was freedom... It's not worth having. So take it back to Paul's words. I give you Carl's illustration. Melissa's illustration. Let's take it back to Paul's words. Because if we understand anything about freedom, we have to know that it is about the character of the people who are involved. The character of the people who claim to be free. 
So Paul writes, though I am free of all men. What in the world does he mean, though I am free of all men? We have pictures of what we think freedom really is and what it's really about. What freedom could be for us. As little children, you think about what you thought of freedom when you were a child. Freedom as a child meant, I don't have to listen to my parents anymore. I don't have to do it. I want to grow up. Think about what children think. I want to grow up. I want to be free of my parents telling me what to do all the time. That's their idea of freedom. They, they don't have to listen to their parents any longer or do what their parents tell you. If you go back like I can to the 1960s, freedom meant no longer being under the direction of the, air quotes, establishment, whatever that represented in your mind or somebody's mind. And some of you, I know, Roger, you can remember those days, you rebellious teenager. But in the 19, I guess in the 60s, you weren't a, yeah, you did become a teenager in the 60s, didn't you? Okay, very good. But uh, there was that thought that was out there, no longer being controlled by the establishment, anti-government, anti-control, whatever it might be. What do we think about freedom? What do we have in mind when we hear the word freedom or liberty? What do we have in mind? I believe the American idea was, in its inception, in its beginning in this country, and as it developed, the American idea was that all people were equal, but everyone was responsible for himself or herself. Pretty good. But I believe it has evolved. Now you can... This is what I said, this is about as close to political as I get in this regard, but I think it bears on the spiritual. I believe it has evolved into being able, here's what we consider freedom, being able to do and say what I want without consequence or being bound by others. And when I say we, I want you to understand I'm speaking very generally you say boy that's not me I don't believe that you listen you see it you hear it well let me give you one more perspective on it if you're just to kind of loosen things up just a little bit because if you're a Dave Ramsey fan Dave Ramsey preaches that freedom is being out of debt he even quotes Proverbs 22 7 the the uh, the borrower is, is slave to the lender and there's a whole lot of truth to that involved but we have ideas about freedom but really what it comes down to, lack of freedom is a lack of power, a lack of choice, the ability to choose for yourself and do certain things under your own choice. Because freedom really is about choosing. As Joshua gathers the people for the, for the last time as their leader, he says, you choose this day you're going to serve. You can serve the gods that were back there on the other side of the river, back in Egypt. You can serve those gods. But he said, I want to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the one that brought us here. I'm going to serve the God that took, has led us for 40 years here. The one that brought us out of Egypt, that brought all those plagues, that's fed us, that's given us water, that's made sure that we had clothes to wear, has taken care of us for 40 years. He said, as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord. So Joshua leads in that direction. But we recognize that all choices are made within a thought, a prescription, a, a, a concept, if you will, in mind. You can go back to Romans 6 and we find that you choose which direction you go, whether to serve sin or whether to serve righteousness, but whichever way you go, there is a sense of, I put myself in submission to this particular cause or place. 
So when we talk about it, we're not talking about just being throwing off all shackles and having nothing to bind us, nothing to hold us back at all. Many of the early immigrants of this of this country came to this land for the opportunity to freely worship as they understood, but they also challenged others to follow that. But they did not want to be forced to follow an order by king or country. And what we have in Christ, the freedom we have in Christ, tying into what Joshua says and others along the way, through Christ, we are free of an outside force telling us what we have to be. For freedom... Freedom from the power of sin and darkness and the consequences that are found within it. Colossians 1 and verse 13. You can go back to Romans 6.23 in that familiar verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the, you know the rest of it? The gift of God is eternal life. Freedom is what he is talking about is a gift to us. So Paul says... Though I am free of all men, I'm not bound by the shackles of others. I'm not bound by the conventions of of the world in exactly that way. He wasn't saying I throw them off because we read what else he has to say here. But he said, though I am free, I have made myself a servant. Perhaps one of the most powerful examples in the Scriptures I have made myself as our servant. And with that in mind, we have a prime example already. Jesus had the right to be who he was. He had the right to the place of God and with God. He had the right to the royal throne. Jesus had the right to be who he was. But he surrendered his rights in order to benefit you and benefit me. Under the will of the Father. Have the mind in you which was in Christ Jesus who counted not equality with God a thing to be clung to. But it goes on to say he surrendered it, became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Philippians five, uh, 2, 5 and following. Of course, God honored him. But the point is he was willing of his own to be a servant. It is the attitude of knowing that you don't have to do something, but you're doing it anyway. I don't have to, I cannot be forced to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Which brings to mind, how do we respond? How do we respond? Watch our our behaviors generally, watch human behavior generally, and, and again, I guess I get a little cynical, but you watch human behavior and we tend to do what we think we can get away with or not do what we can think we can get away with not doing. Pretty fair? Let's put our hands and say, I'm guilty. Been there. Do that. It happens today, doesn't it? If you think you can get away with it, you're probably going to do it. It may be tiny. It may be small. You know, you got that gum wrapper in your hand? Got it in your hand? Do you look to see if anybody's watching before you drop it on the ground? You wouldn't do that. But I'm saying, it may be something tiny, but there is that inkling of that within us. That doesn't mean we think we can get away with murder, you know, how to get away with murder. It doesn't mean we think we're going to do something like that just because we can get away with it. I know that over 40 some odd years, my wife's been trying to plot my death for a long time. She just hadn't figured out how to get away with it yet. We don't do that, seriously. We don't do that kind of thing. But there may be small ways. We justify ourselves. We think, well, maybe if nobody's watching... We don't have to, we may not do it. I want to get into the mind and you think about that, that couple. And maybe it's something we'll explore a little more another time in Acts 5, that Ananias and Sapphira. 
don't you think they thought when they brought a portion of what they had collected and they brought it to give and claimed it was the whole, don't you think they thought they could get away with it? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I think people quite often do things simply because they believe I can do it, but I also believe many do it because they believe it is the right thing to do. Did you ever wonder why Joseph, go back to that Old Testament story of Joseph, you know, sold by his brothers and so forth. Did you ever wonder why he didn't run away? Why he didn't go home? I know his brothers would be there, but he knew his father loved him. He knew his father wanted him. He never tried to go home. He could have escaped Potiphar's house. He could have run away. In the prison, I know, maybe he was bound, but then he becomes such a ruler in Egypt and he never went home. He never sent word home. He didn't take a vacation, go back, said, hey, Dad, look what's happened to me. Here I am. You guys want to come and join me? He didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? You would think he would have been driven to investigate and show them what he had done. Instead, what did he do? Instead, what did he do? In every situation Joseph found himself, he served that situation with the best of his ability. He bent to it, took care of business, and moved forward in his life. Think about the example of what Joseph was doing in those circumstances. We read the latter part of the book of Genesis. You come down to that 50th chapter when his father dies and his brother suddenly realized, hey, maybe uh, retaliation is going to come back on us now. What does he tell them? They read down to the 20th verse and you find exactly, he says, you know what you did, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. I was put here, I believe, for the opportunity to preserve life. Was it all good? In the end. But you've got to think, when he's sold as a slave away from his family to those traveling uh, merchants, and he goes into Egypt, he's sold as a slave there, he's in that house, he's accused wrongly, he's put in prison, he's kept in prison, he's forgotten there. You've got to think, that's not all good. But Joseph made it into something. And he used his unfortunate circumstances his unchosen circumstances to do the very best and isn't that what Paul is telling us here isn't that something of what he's telling us here I think through the ages many many people have been forced to be servants through war poverty greed or or whatever it might be but it's that choice to do something Paul refers to himself as a servant you think about that. Several times as he begins letters that he would write, he refers to himself as a servant or a bondservant. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, he calls himself a servant of the Lord. In that same chapter, we get down to the 14th verse, he says he is a servant or debtor. Debtor to people. Verse 14. And where's the example? I said there is a prime example. Jesus saw himself that way, didn't he? He saw himself as a servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. Yes. So, Paul said, I may be free of all men, but I have made myself, I have made the choice to be 
that servant. And he sets us as an example. And he lays out then the reason. Here's the reason. Here's the reason that I might by all means, there's the phrase, I might by all means save some. Isn't that what David was talking about when he came to the battle lines and his brothers tried to send him back home? Wasn't that what David was doing when he was there saying, hey, what, everybody's standing around. Won't the king do something good for whoever takes care of this business? And, and his brother says, you need to shut your mouth and go home. Go play with your sheep some more. And David said, isn't there a cause? Isn't there a reason, a justification? Isn't there a cause for doing this? Yes. And through the ages, we recognize, don't we? We recognize in our own country, we recognize even in our own times, that many heroes have laid their lives aside to achieve the greater benefit of others, whether immediately or in the long run. But let's keep caution in mind here. For the caution in this is that Service, another person, service towards another person's benefit generally, almost always, comes with a cost, a cost to you. It may be no more than giving up a place in line in the traffic when you're letting that car that's been waiting in ahead of you, and then that car doesn't hurry along, and you just get frustrated. You say, well, I let you in, and you're still slowing things down. Sorry, I got off on a tirade, didn't I? (laughs) But you know what I mean. You let them in, yes, it slows you down just a little bit, doesn't it? Small cost, but it costs you. Sometimes it can be as high as the sacrifice of your life. And you ask the soldiers who've gone to war, those who stand on the front lines. You talk about others in certain circumstances who are risking their lives dramatically day in and day out to care for somebody else or deal with somebody else's situation. It could be as high as the sacrifice of your life. But you know what? I believe the greater challenge people are often ready to lay down their life for a cause, for a purpose, even for a person. But the greater challenge, the greater challenge I believe was laid out by Jesus, the greater challenge is often the surrender, not of your life, but of your personal will. Verse 24, Matthew 16. If any would come after me, let him just shoot himself in the head. No, I don't think that's what it says. Let me see if I can get it right. If any would come after me, let him deny himself, take up a cross, and follow me. He goes on to say it's the surrender of your life or your will that gives you the opportunities. See, the greater challenge is often the surrender of personal will. It's not the surrender of life. You make the choice in that. But the greater challenge is the surrender of your personal will to the will of somebody else. So, what Paul is saying is is to serve all is to reach to the greater benefit. It's to those around me have a great value, therefore I'm willing to submit my personal preferences, my personal will, my personal desires in order to accomplish that end. So, before, before we determine our rights, Back to the political again. Before we determine our rights, we need to ask 
ourselves. And we need to look around us and see how it impacts our benefit to the souls, the welfare of others. Again, what did Jesus say? I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So what am I leaving you with this morning in this regard? What am I leaving you with? Well, some good biblical examples. Even Paul talks about it's better not to eat meat if it's going to cause your brother to stumble, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Even if you know that that meat, no matter what has been done with it beforehand, is all right to eat, you know, and you know these gods that they're laying it on the altar to or nothing. So you're not worried about that. But because of your brother, because of your brother, You're going to do something because of your brother, because of your sister, because of the welfare of others. As Paul says, I'm becoming all things to all men. What is he saying? Wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame if a small surrender stood between you and the benefit of others? Wouldn't it be a shame if it stood between you and another soul? Or even the fellowship, the participation with other Christians. At any time, but especially in times of challenge for all, the benefit of others becomes more, far more important. than a person's own rights or desires. I think you can carry it to the applications. I think you can see what it means. I think there are a lot of people today who need to listen to Paul's words, who need to hear it, who need to regard themselves before they start accusing somebody else. Before we start pointing fingers at someone else, let's turn our fingers back at ourselves and say, what am I doing? And ask that question. And if it means a little inconvenience to me, shouldn't I be willing if it benefits? I know there's more to be said on this. I know there's more in application and implication down the way, and perhaps we will do that as well. But wouldn't it be a shame if a small surrender stood between you and souls? Notice Paul's challenging statement at the end of the passage we read. For he says, Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it, in fellowship with you. It's hard, I think, to misinterpret the challenge and the implication of what he has to say. If that's political, I think I've missed something along the way. I think what Paul had to say was spiritual. If somebody turns it into political, that's what they do. But may we consider the benefit of others, our earnest desire in our service wherever it may be. 
We're going to sing a song of encouragement this morning. Perhaps there's one who even needs to respond this day. If you do, we're ready to assist you in whatever that need might be. If one were desirous to put the Savior on in baptism, we'll, we'll make sure that's able to happen today. If you have some other need that you want to make known, we're glad to pray with you, exhort you, and help you get on the right track, whatever it might be. If you needed to use this opportunity and this invitation, we invite you and encourage you to come while we stand and sing together.